0: Last week it was brought to our attention regarding Raj, who's a missionary that we support in India, who's planted literally hundreds of churches in India, whose daughter Pauline, who's 14 years old, was taken, was kidnapped. And last week we began to pray uh, for that family and for the return of Pauline. Um, No new news this morning to report. Uh, But we want to continue to pray. And so as we go to prayer this morning, um, would you join me? Oh God, we call upon you, the great I am, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Kadesh, Adonai. We call upon you, our God, who possesses all power, all authority, and we ask, Lord, that you would intervene in this particular situation. Lord, I pray that uh, there would be a means by which Pauline would be rescued. In my understanding, uh, a group would be rescued. Lord, I pray that um, the detectives and the police and those who are searching the family, Lord, that you would direct their steps, that you would give them wisdom to know which way to turn, where to look, the questions to ask. But Lord, would you bring her home safely? We pray. And only you can do that. And now God, as we turn to your word, I pray that uh, you would speak to our hearts as we learn more about who you are, as we continue to look at the titles and the names by which you are addressed in the Holy Word of God. Open our ears and our hearts this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. If you have a Bible, we're gonna be in Luke chapter five, verses one through 11 this morning, Luke five, one through 11. You can scan that QR code and that'll take you right to the Bible app and and, uh, everything that you need. If you need a Bible, slip a hand up. We've got ushers coming down the aisles. They'll get one in your hands. You can borrow this morning if you need it. We're so glad that you are here worshiping with us this morning, those who are joining us online in traditions, in our kindred campus, different places worshiping the same God through the same church. So far in the series, uh, you heard me in my prayer mention the different names of God, and, and that's the series that we're in. And this morning, we're gonna look at Adonai. The series will end on December 25th, in which we will look at the title Emmanuel. And you heard Pastor Jonas mention we've got some exciting things coming up uh, for Christmas. Starting next week, the 11th and the 18th, we're going to have some great Christmas services. On this stage next week, <clears throat> we will have a 75 member choir, a 25 member orchestra, and 50 kids. We'll have 150 People on this stage next week leading us in worship for two weeks in a row. Super excited about that. Yes, invite all of your friends, invite people you don't even know. Go to Walmart, wear your pajamas, do whatever you need to do. Just get people here. And the reason we wanna get people here is not just so we can pack this place, that is a goal, uh, that, is, that would be phenomenal because we wanna watch God work in people's lives. And we know that more than any other time of year, people come to Christ during this season. Do you know anyone who needs Jesus? People are most apt to come to church during the Christmas season. Christmas Eve on the 24th, we'll have two services, 3.30 and 5, and I want to make sure that I announce this correctly because on the 25th, it's a Sunday this year, and we will have a service, one service at 10.45, but the two Christmas Eve services and the one on Sunday morning are identical. So what we're asking people to do is to choose one of those services. Now, if you choose one on Christmas Eve and you come on Christmas, it's okay. You'll just show up and say, hey, I think this is similar to last night. And it will be, because they'll be identical, but you're welcome to come to both. So um, we just encourage you to think ahead with that. We know that Christmas Eve is a very busy place around here, and this place will be packed. And we're excited about that because we wanna worship King Jesus. It was 2002 at the Illinois Wesleyan University commencement where William Ernest Henley spoke, and he shared this thought. Your time on this earth belongs to you. You have to decide with whom and how you will share it. Just make sure that when you look in the mirror at the end of the day, you feel good about what you see. Be the captain of your soul, the master of your fate. William Ernest Henley. Everywhere you go, Everywhere you turn, everywhere you look, we're being told you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, and you're not accountable to anyone. After all, you are the master of your own universe. One of humanity's greatest struggles is the thought of being a servant, which would suggest a master different than self. Today, I want to introduce another name, the name Adonai. And in the Old Testament, Adonai was a name that became popular by the Jewish people after they returned from their exile in in Babylon. The name was used in place of Yahweh because of their deep reverence for him and his name. Coming out of exile, that means master or Lord, Adonai. The name Adonai is used over 300 times in the New Testament. The name Adonai reveals the relationship which God maintains towards his creation as Master and Lord. Throughout the Old Testament, those who know God as Adonai acknowledge themselves as servants, they knew their place. The meaning of Adonai is Lord, Master, and is carried over into the New Testament and is translated in the Greek, Kyrios, and it's used a 100 times in the New Testament of Jesus. It's a name that reminds us that we are not our own, that we in fact were bought with a price, a hefty price, Words that are used to describe us as followers are servant, bondservant, slave, as enslaved to righteousness. Those are the descriptive words in the New Testament that describe us as followers of Jesus. That we're servants, we're bondservants, we're slaves to righteousness. God, as Adonai, calls all God's people to acknowledge themselves as his servants, recognizes his right to command them as Lord in their life. Jesus Christ is our master and at the same time, our ultimate servant example, he's both. Matthew 20, 28 says it, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. To be a servant of Jesus Christ is the greatest freedom and joy of all as a believer. We live and long to hear the words, well done, good and faithful, what? Servant. I can't imagine as a believer in Christ any words that I long to hear more when I cross the finish line than well done, good and faithful servant. When I cross the finish line, I wanna cross the finish line spent. Spent. Knowing I've lived for Jesus, knowing that I've served him well, to hear the words, well done, a good and faithful servant, suggests that we have to live as a servant. To live as a servant implies there's a master, right? And unlike Jesus, we cannot be both servant and master all at the same time. He is the only one who can do that. A bond servant, one who is subservient to and entirely at the disposal of, a master. Does that describe your relationship with God? I know that I have some work to do. Luke 5, one through four. One day as Jesus was standing by the Lake Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen. Who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little bit from the shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. What we see in these first few verses is Jesus calling or inviting his very first disciples to follow him. Jesus had already met Peter. He he had already met him at one time or another, spent some time with him. So keep in mind, they knew each other just a little bit, but something else we need to know, these men that were being called by Jesus to follow him, that Jesus was saying, I want you to follow me, were already followers or disciples of someone else. His name was John the Baptist. John was their teacher. And these men were his disciples. Remember, it was John the Baptist who introduced Jesus to the crowd. Behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. Do you remember that? And then he baptized Jesus. And it wasn't long after that, John landed himself in prison. And Peter and all the rest of the disciples went back to fishing. That's what we see happening here in Luke 5. The one they were following and the one that they had attached themselves to, because that's what a a disciple is. They attached themselves to a leader or, or, or a teacher, was now in prison. What were they supposed to do? They went back to their normal life, all that they knew. So this is where we pick it up in Luke chapter five. Jesus started preaching to the crowd and the crowd kept getting bigger and bigger and they continued to get closer and closer to him. But the disciples, they were off to the side and they were preoccupied, too busy to even listen to his teaching. They had better things to do. They were washing their nets for pity's sake. They didn't have time to listen to the savior of the world to his words of wisdom. And Jesus continues preaching and teaching and quickly finds himself on the shore next to a couple of boats that were left there by, uh, by the fishermen. And and then he then stops in the middle of his message and he says to Peter and to others off to the side who are busy about their own stuff, paraphrasing, excuse me, Peter, I'm going to sit in your boat if you don't mind. Can you push me out into the water just a little bit? That is, of course, unless you're too busy. It reminds me of something. Often when Jesus interrupts our lives, he does so by walking right into the middle of the very things that are so important to us. Oh, you're too busy to listen? too preoccupied to pay attention? Watch this. The day that you surrendered your life to Christ, and I hope that you have, was the day that you gave permission to Jesus to interrupt your life anytime he wants. He loves to interrupt us. Where would we be if Jesus never interrupted our lives? He never interrupts our lives just for fun. He interrupts our lives to introduce himself as Adonai. Remember me? This morning, I am hoping that Jesus will interrupt your life and my life. I'm hoping that he will walk right into the areas of our lives that we think are so important and he will introduce himself as Adonai and force us to decide whether it will be Adonai or just I who will be the master. If you're following along, Adonai or I, there are four indicators. The first one is humility. First part of verse five. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. So let's understand a little bit of what Jesus was walking into. The disciples, they were busy people. They were, they were busy with life. We can relate to that. They were busy taking care of their families and they were busy with their careers. They had things to do. And Jesus walked right into the middle of their busyness. Simon Peter answered Jesus by calling him master. It's in this passage of scripture where we see Jesus in Peter's mind and life go from an icon of Christianity or a poster child of compassion to master of his life. And like Peter, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves following a religion that Jesus is the head of, or following a pastor, or a celebrity author, or speaker, or even a denomination, all of which can replace, if we're not careful, following Jesus himself. There's a difference between standing on the sidelines, shaking pom poms for Jesus, than being in the game for Jesus, living like a servant of Adonai. In this passage, we're gonna see something quite remarkable take place. Peter will go from a fan of Jesus to a follower of Jesus. The title master that Peter called Jesus was not a description of the role that Jesus plays. It was a title that defined Jesus. So he wasn't saying, Jesus, master, I want you to play this role in my life. He was saying, Jesus, you are the master. It doesn't matter what I think. Peter had been off washing his nets, getting ready for the next fishing trip. And now suddenly he finds himself in a boat with Jesus. Well, Jesus taught the crowd from a distance, just a few feet off of the shore. And then Jesus says to Peter, after he had finished teaching, when he was all done, He says in verse four, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And it was at that moment when we began to see Peter's humility. Humility is not understood when we look intently to ourselves. It is understood better when we find ourselves in close quarters with Jesus, our master, and we're awakened to who he really is. John Dixon in his book, Humilitas, says, humility derives from the Hebrew-speaking Jews, Latin-speaking Romans, and Greek-speaking Christians of the first century. In all three languages, the word used to describe humility means low, as in low to the ground. The negative use of the word is humiliated. And the positive use of the word means to lower yourself or to be humble. When you get into the boat with Jesus, so to speak, and he pushes you out from the shore of life, It won't take you long to recognize who is master and who is not. And I think for the first time, Peter was beginning to see Jesus for who he really was, more than just a friend of a friend. Humility is a choice to be subservient to the master Jesus. At what moment did you realize that Jesus not only wants to be the savior of your life, what moment did you realize that Jesus is actually also the Lord of your life? He's also the master of your life. Being a Christian and receiving Jesus as your savior and following Jesus as your Lord and master, it's not either or, it's both and, it's accepting and following, they go together. Someone will reign in your life. It's either Adonai or I. Peter was now seeing Jesus as master. He, he just hadn't yet allowed Jesus to be master. Romans 10, 9 says this, that if you confess with your mouth, maybe you're familiar with this, and if you're not a believer here this morning, you need to hear this scripture, Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Kyrios, master. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved. It's a matter of transferring your trust from self to God. I am now trusting God to not only save me, but I'm trusting God to reign in my life. It's the reign of a servant king. Uh, Great book, by the way. The Reign of a Servant King by Joseph Dillow. I'm gonna say it again, because many times when I mention a book after the service, somebody will say, what was the name of that book and who was the author? And I'll say, I don't remember. I'll go back and look at my notes. I'm gonna say it again. The Reign of a Servant King by Joseph Dillow. What God has offered is a free gift. His son, Jesus Christ. It's an amazing moment when we look back across the table into God's eyes and say, I have nothing to offer you, God. And then God says to us, yes, you do. Not for salvation. You can't offer anything for salvation, but you have something to offer your entire life. Humility. Teachability, second part of verse five. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. My guess is that as Peter was moving the boat out further from the shore at Jesus' request, he was having the conversation with Jesus that we see in the second part of verse five. Peter got a little bit defensive, saying, we've worked all night and haven't caught a thing. What he was really saying is this. We know what we're doing here. We are expert fishermen. This is what we do, Jesus. This is what we're trained for. We've come from generations of fishing experts. This is how we make a living and take care of our families. We are good at what we do. We have not caught a thing all night. We are fishermen. Jesus, you are a carpenter, and I'm guessing a pretty good one, but you are not a fisherman like us. Adonai or I. And here's the teachability and then he says this but because you say so i will let down the nets but because you say so i'm willing to surrender Peter was confronted with Jesus who was a carpenter and at best a novice fisherman maybe. But because he was master, Peter was teachable even in the areas of life where he was the expert. He was willing to give the master the podium and Peter would become the student. Now this is a huge thing and extremely important for us to get. Jesus is master even in the areas of our lives where we're the experts. He's not only master in the areas of life where we need him or where we need help. He's the master in every area of our life, including our expert areas, the areas of life where we think we've got it all figured out, the areas of life where we're trained in, the areas of life that we have found success, you know, all of those areas that we haven't invited Jesus into because we don't need him. He's still master in those areas. Peter, an expert fisherman, was willing to submit to a carpenter to learn from him only because he was master Adonai. Is there an area of your life where you are the expert that you are unwilling to surrender? Or maybe you just haven't realized your need for him in that area. Or maybe there are areas that you have never even considered surrendering to Adonai because you thought you had it all under control. Like Peter, because you say so. Kyrios, master, Lord, because you say so, I'll put down the nets. Humility, teachability. Verses six and seven, obedience. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Isn't it true that we sometimes leave the fishing guide on the shore, so to speak, and attempt to go through life fishing on our own, trying to fill our own nets? You can either fish your way through life as a Christian or you can spend all of your time repairing the nets that Jesus keeps breaking. It's about obedience. James 1, 22 through 25 says this. You should see it up on the screen here. Do not merely listen to the word <clears throat> and so deceive yourself. We're talking about obedience. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law, the word of God, that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Obedience, friends, is action. Have you done the, 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 the last thing that Jesus, that Adonai, that Kyrgios has asked you to do? H- have you done that? Even if it was a, a little itty bitty step and he, he said, hey, I want you to take this step of faith or I want you to take this step of obedience. Have you done that? Maybe it's a decision of right or wrong. Maybe the Holy Spirit has impressed upon you and you've kind of been pushing that away. When you let Jesus be Jesus, you know this as well as me that everything changes. We become much more interested in seeking and knowing what his will is. We are much more intent on hearing his voice. We're much more focused on staying in step with God. If you wanna know whether you're allowing Jesus to be Adonai or Kyrios in your life, then ask yourself these questions. Am I seeking God through prayer and the word? Am I desperately wanting to hear from him as to what he wants me to do? Am I aware of the things that God has told me to do and I did it? Am I more interested in his will than my own? Those are some good questions to wrestle through. Brokenness, verses eight through 11. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So, you pulled, so they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and they followed him. When we, I think when we acknowledge Jesus for who he really is and when we're teachable and when we're willing to obey, we will be broken by the reality of our persistence and stubbornness to live our life apart from Jesus. <clears throat> I'm gonna say that again. When we acknowledge Jesus for who he really is, And when we're teachable and we're willing to obey, we will be broken by the reality of our persistence and stubbornness to live apart from Jesus. Maybe as you're thinking about your life and you're reflecting on this passage, maybe there's something that's starting to click because it all came crashing down for Peter in that moment. Realizing that John the Baptist was not his master, nor was the master of his own life, no matter how good he thought he was. Jesus was Adonai. Jesus was Kyrios, the one and only master of his life. It all began to come crashing down on him. Peter fell to his knees, and he said, I am a sinful man. Abraham did the same thing. Isaiah did the same thing when they stood in his presence. And what did Jesus say to Peter? Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. And I have to think Peter was like, what? Jesus didn't make Peter unravel his whole sinful life and work through every issue first. Jesus didn't make Peter get his life completely in order or get fixed up and cleaned up before he could be used. You wanna know uh, some of the most effective people in reaching people for Jesus? It's called out of the harvest, in the harvest. It's people who realize when they give their life to Christ and they realize, wait a minute, I don't have to have a perfect life before Jesus can use me. It's often those people when we first come to Christ that we're so passionate and hungry and willing to be used by Christ that we go right back into the harvest. Here's what Jesus said to Peter. I'm your Lord and I'm your master. Don't be afraid. From now on, you're not going to spend your life fishing on the shore of Galilee. You're going to follow me and I'm going to teach you how to fish for men by using the message of my life, meaning Jesus. You're gonna use my message, my life. Verse 11, left everything and followed him. They left everything that was familiar, everything that was safe, everything that was secure, everything that they had once depended on, and they followed Jesus, the master. God may or may not call you to follow him physically. He may not say, hey, I want you to move to X. But he will call you, and he is calling you, and he is calling me to a life of following Sometimes we get caught up and oh, I just want to lead. I want to lead. I want to lead. A good leader is first a follower. He will ask you to relinquish control of those areas that you are not allowing him to be master. He will interrupt your life and make you decide who you're going to choose to be master. <clears throat> When Jesus is our master, we will find rest instead of exhausting ourselves. When he is our master, we will find peace instead of becoming paralyzed because of fear. And and anxious because of the unknown. We will find trust instead of relying upon ourselves. He will allow us to be a follower because we give up the position of I and become subservient to Adonai. Let me leave you with one thing. It's a verse, John 12, 26. Should be up on the screen, sir. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Father, this morning, um, we have been reminded of yet another name the name Adonai, the name Kyrios for Jesus, both meaning master and Lord. And Lord, um, Peter's life teaches us a lot and it reminds us a lot of ourselves. We're just busy about doing our own thing. And he was confronted with who was gonna be master? Was it Adonai or I? And Lord, we've been confronted this morning with the same question. Lord, there are areas of our lives that we insist it be an I, whether it's an expert area and we know the best, or just areas of our life that we have not submitted to you. God, you sent your son Jesus to this earth to die on the cross to be our savior. And many of us have cried out and surrendered our life to Jesus to be our savior. But it doesn't stop there because we are also called to be a follower of Jesus. And as we follow, that's when our life is transformed little by little by little as we get to know you more and more. God, would you um, shine a light would would you pull back the curtain on the areas of our life that you want to be master and we have resisted help us lord to be servants of the most high in jesus name amen